Well, it's kind of warm all of a sudden. Uh, all rainy yesterday, and and then all kind of warm today. And we're battling with the Halloween crowd wherever some of the families are. Glad you're here, though. If you have your Bibles this morning, open up to two different places: Matthew 22 and Luke 14. We're going to look mostly in Luke 14, but Matthew chapter 22 will be also a reference point as well. Um, and I do want to echo what David said earlier about next week uh, being a friend day. And again, it's not so we can feel good about ourselves or how many people show up at church or we can say, look at this number that we accomplished or anything of that nature. It is an opportunity to get people in here who maybe aren't accustomed to coming and giving an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel in a way that only the Holy Spirit can lead in a way that God would draw them um, unto Him. And um, that's what He does. And so that would be an excellent opportunity um, for that, if you um, know of anybody. And um, then uh, from there we go. We'll see. Um, let's dismiss the boys and girls to Junior Church. And um, you follow, if anyone's going, you can follow Trinity right back there in the middle. And she will help escort you um, for that. And uh, David told me he forgot to dismiss the boys and girls. And I said, I'll do the same when I get up there. And my wife texts me, class. And at first I thought she was telling me, you have some class. And then I realized I don't think she's saying that at all. And then I thought, what is she saying? Oh, yeah. Dismiss. Even with a reminder right before I get up here and a reminder while I'm up here, I still... Forgot. It's a good thing for Apple Watch. It makes you look like Batman. You know, you kind of just look at it and uh, whatever else is. And people like to, to, sometimes in the middle of preaching, remember this in New Hope? Sometimes in the middle of preaching, I raise my hand to do something like this, and all of a sudden, it starts like Siri listening, and it's a, sorry, can I help you with that? And I'm like, well, I didn't say anything, but it was responding to the preaching through my watch, I guess. But Luke 14 and uh, Matthew chapter 22, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity again to preach, to be here. And Father, we stand here unworthy. We stand here sinners, saved by grace, Lord. And we, we stand here absolutely in needing of your grace. And Father, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And Father, I pray that our humanity would be put aside and the Spirit of God would reign and draw us, make us to see what needs to be seen. And Father, that you work in and through us. Please, please, Lord, put a hedge about Satan, uh, and, and, and just put him out of this place. Allow our minds to be on you, Lord. And Father, may you just anoint this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I got, before we even look at the text, I, I want to ask you a few questions that have to do with every time the Bible's preached, but in particular this week and next week. Uh, and they're simple questions. Do you believe the gospel? Right? Do you believe the good news? Do you actually believe that people can be saved? And do you believe that those that, go, that get saved go to heaven and those that don't go to hell, do you believe that people go to heaven and hell? Do you actually believe that? And do you believe that if they don't hear the gospel and they don't get saved, they end up for an eternity in hell? And I want you to ponder that for a few minutes. I want you to think about that. And think on this, how many things in our lives might be different if we lived it as if we really believed it. Because next week's an opportunity. Trunk or treat is going to be an opportunity later. When you go out and about to the stores at your job, 
if you really have heaven in mind, you really have focus for eternity in mind, and you're with somebody who might not know Christ, no, you don't beat them over the head. You don't jam it down their throat. But if you don't tell them, who will? Who's going to share the gospel? I love that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It's not hid to, the, uh, to, to us. We, we have it. We've heard it. We've responded to it, hopefully. But to the lost, it is hid. But if we really believe the gospel, we, really, we sing the song, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and we really believe that, why wouldn't we want to share that and to bring as many people in as possible? If you're saved, you were saved from your sin that made you deserving of hell. You didn't almost get to heaven and you needed a little help. I hope you realize that. If we were to blast your sin up here on the screen today, it would be a shocking thing. And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the message we want to share. That's the message we want to give. That's the reason Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then when he left, remember what he told his disciples, go and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, go ye into all the world. He says, and, I shall, and, and, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me. Those were his last instructions to the people that he left to represent him on this earth. Thursday night we were in the book of Luke, and we were looking at Jesus calling the disciples, and what a rowdy, motley crew he called. He called tax collectors and, and, and roughneck fishermen and uh, and those are people that especially the tax collector he basically levi turned uh, matthew you know levi turned matthew he, he basically called him and matthew though he was hated by a lot of people was going to be left to represent jesus and you and i were left here have the holy spirit to share the gospel to be able to 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 give that to the lost and dying world now, both of these stories that I have you open up to today are the same rendition, or the same story, just two different Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. Look at Matthew chapter 22. We're just going to read the first three verses. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready to come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, and other to his merchandise. A king was setting up a wedding for his son, and he sent out invitations for them all to come. And strangely enough, no one wanted to come. I mean, if you and I were invited to a royal wedding, we're not just talking about a run-of-the-mill wedding. We're not just talking about, you know, just something basic. We're talking about the royal wedding. A few years ago when the British royalty got, got married and, and, and there, were, there were a lot of VIPs, but only, only a real small bunch got to go into the ceremony. That was a big to-do. If you and I got invited to go eat at the king's son's wedding table, 
that would be a pretty important thing. But what we find here is just about everybody refusing. Look at verse 4 again. And notice some of the excuses. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them that are bidden, behold, I prepared my dinner, my ox and my fatlings are killed, and everything's ready. Come unto the marriage, verse 5, but they made light of it. Eh, not interested. I got other things to do. I got to go to my farm. I got to go buy things. Wait a second. You just got invited to go to the king's wedding. You buy things another day. You go to the farm another day. This is not the day to go do those things. And yet, that's what they said. Sorry, I have business to take care of. Now turn over to um, Luke chapter 14. Verse number 16. The Bible says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they with all one consent began to make excuse. They first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. Therefore I cannot come. Again, we have the same story. Here we see further detail of the excuses. Sorry, I can't come. I have a piece of land. Let me be excused. Sorry, I have livestock to take care of. Let me be excused. Sorry, I was just married. Please let me be excused. Now remember, this isn't just a run-of-the-mill wedding. This is a, a royal wedding by the king. And back in those days, the king wasn't just some rich guy. He, he was the one with absolute power. If he decided to have you killed, that would be okay. And he invited the the regulars, to come, but nobody wants to come. They all have excuses. They have the audacity to push aside the invitation. They have the audacity to refuse the invite. Now the Matthew passage uses this phrase, they made light of it. Now in normal circumstances, nobody tells a king no. If the king said, crawl on, your, on, on all fours up and down the aisle, you do that. I mean, the king would command court jesters to come in and make all kinds of crazy things. Yet these all made light of it. They said, no, we got things to do. We don't want to be it. And they're telling him, notice something that would be a blessing to them beside the fact that it would be an insult to him. Because this royal feast, I am sure, would be food that the regulars didn't eat all day, every day. I'm sure that it would be a big to-do. Plus, it was there for the king. So even if you don't want to eat the food, go for the king. And the king was insulted. And he was bothered on their behalf as well. And he was probably most insulted for his son, whose wedding it was. What does it look like for a prince to get married and no one comes? Look at verse 21 now of, of the Luke passage. The Bible says here, So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly unto the streets and lanes of the city and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done. Thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. 
And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I said unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So the king responds. He says, Send out the servants to go out in the highways and byways to go out and find anybody that would be appreciative. Notice the people that he targets. This is the beauty of the gospel. He targets the poor, the maimed, the crippled, the blind. Go get everyone out there that isn't too busy. Go get everyone out there who doesn't have a life. Go get all the outcasts. Go get all the rejects. Go get, out, go get all the people that nobody wants to be around and compel them to come in. And the Lord went and did that, or the servant went and did that. And there was still plenty of room, so they went out to go and gather more, and more came. But do you know who didn't get to eat at the marriage supper? The people who refused the offer. There was no coming in later once the feast had started. There was no coming later when they realized they missed out. Now, why did Jesus tell this story? What's the purpose of it? Well, the king, of course, is God. And the son is Jesus. And no doubt, they're, they're in one element of it, he's speaking to the Jewish leaders saying, hey, listen, Jewish, uh, Jewish people, I came unto my own, and my own received me not. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's John 1, 12. Um, so when Jesus came to the Jews, they rejected him. That, that chief cornerstone became the stumbling block, the rejected. And so it's going to be offered to the Gentiles. And so this is in part, hey, listen, you know how you consider the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, you consider them to be the maimed, the poor, the, the, the heathen, the one nobody wants. But because you won't come, I'll take them. Now, to make it even more specific now, application-wise, this is a picture of heaven and the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a picture of, of Him calling to salvation. We're going to make an application to call unto salvation. So I want you to see a few things that you can apply from here that both have the gospel and also have us going out to compel them to come in. So number one, you are invited. Now, uh, with this endeavor for this month, there's a whole lot of people I don't know. I don't know if this is your first time here. I don't know if you've been here a hundred times. Now, some familiar faces I recognize and say, okay, I know you've been here before. But for the most part, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, whether you're here this week, next week, whether it's the person down the street, you are invited. What a beautiful picture of salvation where God calls us to come to Him. And we come to be saved by the Son. We come to have, listen to this, all our sins forgiven. All of them. That, that can't be made too light of. Now, if you recognize your sin, and you recognize there's a pardon, why wouldn't you want to go? I remember a few years ago, they had, um, my wife decided when we were homeschooling that she wanted every book at the public library to be at our house. 
So she must have taken out like maybe 80 books per kid for homeschooling. And because we're busy, we don't return them on time. We don't even know where they are half the time, right? How many people don't return things on the library too, too well? Only the best of us, right? Only the best of us. If you return them on time, you are a self-righteous liar. Just kidding. Some of you are like, no, no, it's due tomorrow. I better return it today. Well, good job. I'm, I'm like, thank God they auto-renew because they do that now. I'm like, thank you, Lord. They, they renew it. I don't have to do anything. Matter of fact, I think we rented something in August and we just returned this week and it wasn't late. But this particular day, a couple years ago, it was a lot of money because then they, you know, you don't return. They're like, oh, you must want to keep it. So here, here's another bill. Here's another bill. I'm like, oh. But then I heard, so I, there was a couple hundred dollars worth of books. Not just in fines, but in purchases that, that I didn't want. And then I heard there was Amnesty Day at the library. And they said, you return it on Amnesty Day and you pay no fine. Well, guess what day I returned the books? Amnesty Day. Why? Because there was a debt. And I found out that even though that debt was, for library debt, it was too much. I mean, if it was like, you know, life or death, that's fine. But for library books, no, I don't want to pay a couple of dollars for library books. So I found a great debt, but I found a pardon for that great debt. To just give you a small analogy, that's exactly what salvation, the picture of it looks like. But we come with a much greater debt. We come with a lot of sin. Now a lot of us, I'll tell you this, you want to know who the people, or maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, a lot of the people who don't have time or make light of it are the people who don't see the amount of sin that they truly have. They think, well, you know, I have a couple, but I'll be able to get to heaven because I'm a good person. The ones of us who can't get up off our face because of the sins that we've committed but then we hear that we're invited man alive that is an offer you don't want to refuse that is an offer you don't want to put aside and so we come to have all our sins forgiven and when we have our sins forgiven we can then go to heaven we we get adopted into god's family and those that come to christ will taste of the great gift of his salvation will taste of god's forgiveness in its entirety eternal mercy and spend forever in heaven not just part of the time but forever what an offer what an invite. What an exciting thing for those to be invited to a royal wedding. But what more, more amazing than being invited to a royal wedding is to be invited to be saved by the eternal God, by Jesus Christ, who shed His blood on the cross for our sins. The gospel is not an ancient religion. It's not an ancient happening. It's not something out of date. It is alive and well today. Unfortunately, we have an entire country and an entire world that makes light of it or who has land they have to go take care of and have livestock and they just got married. I'm sorry, can't come. But they're invited. You're invited. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church. I'm telling you right now, you can be forgiven of all your sins by Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. You can be born again today. I might say it like this. Today is the RSVP of the King's Wedding Invitation. Now I'll tell you, when I get invited to a, a wedding, 
Man, I want to go see what kind of good food they have. You know you want to do the same. And then sometimes you like buffet. Or sometimes you're like, no, I'll take the steak. But the offer to Christ, in all sincerity, to have your sins forgiven. David mentioned it he, he, when his prayer, he said, we serve a holy, holy, holy God. And that holy, holy, holy God wants you wretched, wicked sinner to come to his house, to come to his son's wedding, to come to his son who died for you, no matter what the sin is. So Jesus' point here is not just the Jews as they rejected him, but the application is how many people, let me put it two ways, how many people in this world right now don't even know they're invited? Why don't they know? Because you didn't get the invitation out. You didn't tell them. But also say it like this too, how many people out there, whether they know or not, have a great length of excuses of why not to come to Christ. Why wouldn't we want to come to be forgiven? I'll go back to the early questions. Do you really believe the gospel? Do you really believe in heaven and hell? Do you really believe that Jesus saves? Because if you do, then what we're talking about here is of utmost importance. So number one, you're invited. Number two, there are many excuses why people won't get saved. They're all worthless excuses. You know that? There are a million reasons why people won't get saved. One of the saddest verses I mentioned it before, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. The Jews had been waiting for Messiah for years upon years upon years, all the way back from even Genesis, when the prophecy in Genesis 3 that there'd become one that would crush the, the serpent's head, but it would bruise his heel, and, and then even the coming Messiah through the prophecies of the Jews and, and, and Moses and Abraham and them. And then when he showed up, they said, no, nah, we don't want this one. We'd rather kill him. The offer was right there. Sometimes people have this, right? Sometimes people have told me, well, if, if God would just come out of heaven and tell me, then I'd believe. And I'm like, he did, and they killed him. You ever think about that? People say, if he, if he did, just wrote it in the sky, then I'd see it. Uh, he came. And, and he wasn't slow about it. He was here for many years, and he did like miracles that could not be replicated to authenticate the message where even Nicodemus said, we know that thou art come from God because no man can do these miracles except God send them. I mean, even to the point where, where there's Peter, right? And they're arresting Jesus on the morning where he's going to be crucified. And, and what does Peter do? He takes out that sword. And, and, I, and hear me out. How do you cut someone's ear off without cutting their arm off too? Now I've seen those kind of ninja people that are just like... You know, they just get like the fruit on someone's belly, but they don't slice them in half. I don't think Peter's a ninja. So I don't think Peter's doing this. I think Peter's doing this. And the guy goes like that. I think Peter's trying to cut his head off. That's what I'm trying to say. And what happens? Malchus's ear gets cut off, and Jesus literally reaches down, picks it up. He's like, Peter, don't do that. And puts the ear back on. 
and they still arrest him. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, all right, it's time to go because this guy just put this guy's ear back on. I don't want nothing to do with this thing. But they're still like, yep, let's crucify him. Did anyone see that? Did you all see that? And so when he came into his own, his own received him not. They're, they're yelling, crucify him, put his blood on us and on our children. I'm like, whoa. In this particular parable, Jesus says they make light of it. They're worried about their land. They're worried about their livestock. They're worried about their marriage and things. And not that you shouldn't worry about your marriage. You ought to. But I'm saying, hey, listen, now nah, I got time. I got to hang on my wife tonight. Bring her along, right? My point is this. They're all lame. They're all lame excuses. If you're here today, you're not saved. Whatever it is that's stopping you from being saved is a lame excuse. I don't mean to be offensive, but it's lame. Because there's nothing, there's no excuse that's going to be satisfactory to you that when you get into eternity, that you're like, well, that was worth it. No, absolutely not. I think of the one guy who said at a more convenient time. He's still waiting for that time in hell right now. Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me. I mean, he came close. He's still yelling almost in the corridors of hell, I believe. Every single excuse. Well, what would my grandma think? I'll tell you this right now, right? To some people I've said that, right? Well, my grandma wasn't this religion, and she passed away, and if I, if I join this religion, first of all, no one asks you to join any religion. It's faith. It's what you believe. It's not about practicing religion. But I'll tell you this right here, and I got Bible example. In Luke chapter 16, when the rich man ends up in hell, what does he cry out for? First water, and then please send somebody to my father's house that he might testify lest he also come into this place of torment. You know what that tells me? That tells me everybody in hell, and I don't know if grandma's in hell or not, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying everybody's in hell wants you to get saved. Everybody in heaven wants you to get saved. Everybody that's ever died wants you to get saved. So if you think, oh, they'd be rolling over in their grave. No, 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 They'd be shouting from the grave, whatever side they're on, for you to call on Christ. And that's the Bible truth right there. And yet their excuses are lame, they're worthless. And guess what? Every excuse, I don't care if it's, man, I count so much. I don't care if it, it makes the most sense in all the world. It ends up in the same place. If you were like, I hate church, I hate Christ, I'm never going there, I don't care about Jesus, I'm not being saved. And you're like, I was going to get saved, but then I forgot. Both end up in the same place. They both end up there. So every single excuse is lame. And, and, and it will end you in a place called hell. I don't know if you knew this. But Jesus speaks twice as much about hell as he does heaven. Just want to let you know it's a real place. And your, my, your excuse might be, I can't do the church thing. I can't do the Christ thing. I don't have time. I run a very successful business. Your excuse might be family. What would they say? Your excuse might be laziness, fear, my marriage. But let me remind you, all of those excuses are not worth turning against Christ. A lot of people these days, they have their mind made up of what church is going to be like. And they might even rationalize this kind of excuse. Can everybody else in the world really be wrong? Well, think about it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Either that is true, 
and everybody else who denies it is wrong, or everybody's right and Jesus is a liar. You get to pick. Doesn't mean you're right, but I'm saying, unless you're willing to call Jesus a liar, then yes, everybody else is wrong. And that doesn't make me right, it's Christ that's right. He invited me, he found me, I didn't find him, he found me. And I still wonder to this day why he found me. I, st- I, am, I am absolutely, my wife can testify, I'm standing here right this morning wondering what in the world he's doing with me up here. You might hear me say that a lot. I'm telling you right now, if you knew what I knew, you'd be saying the same thing. I can't, I can't account for it. That's just the grace of God. I don't know why he saved me, and I don't know why he would use me in any way that would help anybody do anything. Because I know my sin. I know it too well, and it's too hard. But thank God that he saved me from it. So there's people say, well, can everyone else in the world really be wrong? Well, yeah. I knew someone who wouldn't get saved because they said, I, I know if I got saved, God will take away this sinful desire, and I don't want him to. And I thought, man, you really are embracing, I'll, I'll go to hell for my sins. Like, I, I don't want him to. They, they weren't saying, I don't want to give it up. They were saying, I know when I get saved, Jesus will take this away. He'll, he'll work in my heart not to want it anymore, and I don't want to not want it anymore. Wow. Can I tell you this too? What shall it profit a man? He gains the whole world, loses his own soul. So even if someone's excuse is that they were able to gain the entire world, even if they say, no, 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 I can't come to Christ because I've gotten everything else in the entire world, the Bible truth would be he profited nothing. Because it doesn't profit a man if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul. So you're invited. Every excuse you have is a Poor one. Number three, everyone is welcome, especially the broken. Everyone is welcome, especially the broken. Notice in particular who was invited to the wedding after the initial people were were rejecting it. The lame, the blind, the broken. Now, you might think that the king would be embarrassed to have such people at his royal gathering, but not this king, not God. Some of you, I bet, the reason you don't want to get saved, and I'll say this again next week, the reason you want to get saved is because you think that you're too great a sinner to get saved, that God would never love you and never forgive you. You're too broken. You don't belong in church. You don't belong with normal people. Some people think that way. Do you know who our God is? Do you know who our King is? He's the King of the broken. He's the King of the impossible. The Jews consider the Gentiles dogs. And that wasn't like, oh, my little puppy. That was like, you nasty, wretched dog. We don't want anything to do with you. And then they started getting saved, and a lot of people started getting upset that they got saved. And when he says the blind, the, maim, the maimed, the lame, the broken, yes, it's talking physically, but specifically it's talking spiritually. I love when somebody, I love when anybody gets saved. The Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner that gets saved. But I'll tell you this, 
when someone who doesn't think they can ever, ever, ever be forgiven gets forgiven, that's a shouting party. You might, I don't know how you feel. I mean, we show up in these ties and you know, dress shoes and stuff, but man, what it looked like from the beginning to now, there's a bunch of you in here who probably think, ah, I'm a, I'm a maimed. I'm a blind. It is, Jesus said this to the Pharisees, they that are whole need not a physician. The religious never get saved. You know why? Because they don't need to be in their mind. Do you know who needs to get saved? The lost, the broken, the hurting, the, the, the mess, the one that's destroyed their life. If you've destroyed your life, you are in a good place, friend, because here is Christ saying, I make beauty from ashes. If you'll come to him. For the one who has no hope, for the one who has blown over and over again, blown it over and over again, the gospel is for everyone. The example is so true here in almost every day and age. And the well-to-do, the wealthy, the smart, the affluent, the prestigious often want nothing to do with Christ. They feel they don't need him. They feel they have other better things to do. That's what's portrayed by the fact that all these people give these lame excuses. They all thought that something was better or more important than this royal invitation. And so too do many people today think that something is more important or better than Christ and salvation. And one of the elements of the gospel is that a person recognizes they're a sinner, that they know they're lost. If you don't see yourself as lost, you'll never need a Savior. And if you don't need a Savior, you'll never be saved. And if you don't see your need to be saved, you won't be. So be broken. Be lost. So you can see your need for a Savior. Let me also move on to this application for just a second as a parenthetical. Christian, the gospel is an ongoing thing yes you get saved but you'll not that you need to re get you get re-saved that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that gospel that grace is not a once and for all thing at the beginning it's a once and for all thing positionally in christ and then it's a sanctifying thing every single day you you may have blown it while you were saved the cross is there my friend that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It works for us too. Not that I keep myself saved that way. But sometimes, like Peter, deny Christ three times after you've been walking with him. Sometimes we're broken and say, man, I've really blown it. I wish I... Here, here part of my testimony. I wish the worst things I ever did were before I ever walked into church. Some of the worst things I ever did were after I was in church. Man, I wish that wasn't the case. But the gospel's still for me. And you are invited. It works for everybody. And aren't you glad that whosoever will, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who's that? Whosoever. Anyone. What do you have to look like? Anyone. How much money do you have to have? None. Anyone. How good do you have to be? None at all. 
There is none good. There is none righteous. No, not one. It's for everyone. There's no one excluded from the gospel. So come broken, come lame, come blind, come heavy-hearted, come to Christ. Because the gospel works for everyone. And so I give you this one now, number four. Compel them to come in. And then go get more. The servants went out and called the lame and the maimed to come in. They compelled them to come in. And it probably went something like this. The royal wedding's today. The king's son's getting married and he's invited you to be his guest. We who are believers have given the great, been given a great commission. And it might go something like this. Hey, God's invited you to have all your sins forgiven today. Don't you want to have your sins forgiven? Now, we're not talking about one, two, three, pray after me and everybody's good. We're talking about, though, hey, listen, don't you want to have your sins forgiven? Let me tell you who Christ was. Let me tell you what he did for us. Let me tell you that you're a sinner that needs to be saved. When God says go out and preach, he's not talking about pulpiteers and pulpit preachers, including them. He's talking about everyone who's saved, go tell other people how to get saved. Charles Spurgeon coined it like this. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Hey, you did this in quarantine, I'm sure. When no one could find toilet paper, but then you found the store that had toilet paper, what'd you do? I'm going to tell everyone else where to get toilet paper. Costco got it in today, go! Dollar Tree, this morning, get a shipment, go! I mean, there are people, right? Brandon can testify to this for sure. There are people that set up mods on computers, I think they're called mods, that search the inventory for like game systems and gaming computers that just automate it so that they know what it's in, so they can tell everyone where, where it's in. Man, they do a lot of work to tell you where to get a product more than we do to tell them where to get Christ. Wow. Because we're embarrassed. Nobody cares about how embarrassed you were if someone's in hell. The person in hell, I don't know what it's going to look like. But I can imagine if it would look something like this. The person in hell looks up to you who knew the gospel but didn't tell them and they make eye contact with you and and all they want to know is, well, why didn't you ever tell me? We used to talk about everything. And you're like, I'm embarrassed. And I'm in hell. Why, why didn't you tell me? And I don't know if it'll be anything like that. I, you know, I'm, probably, I'm, probably, I'm probably lightening the, 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 the situation, but the point is. You know, my next door neighbor when I, where I grew up was a firefighter for search and rescue in Staten Island. Mastic. And September 11, 2001, he went in South Tower to bring people out, but he never made it out. Now, I just started going to church and stuff, and I, I wasn't even saved at the time. But you know how many times I invited him to church? None. They're probably, I mean, that's just a, 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 like a fantastic story, if you will. Sensational story, because that's to do with 
But I wonder how many people we knew that passed away, and if we thought about it, we never one time invited them to church or shared the gospel in any way. We didn't even tell them we were Christians. We didn't even tell them, hey, listen, I've been born again. We didn't even tell them, hey, I might sin's forgiven. I know it's awkward. I'm not telling you, oh, this is the easiest conversation to have. I know it's not easy. I know it's awkward. Hey, listen, I've got to tell you something. But if you love them and you really believe the gospel, a matter of fact, if you don't love them, but you really believe the gospel, why wouldn't you share them? Why wouldn't you want to tell them? He said, hey, there's not enough people in mine. Go out and get everybody else. Compel them to come in. And that's what we need to do. Crying with an urgency to bring them in. Back to the 9-11 scenario for just a second. If you knew on September 10, 2001, what was going to happen on September 11, 2001, what would you be doing on September 10th? Telling everyone. You might even embarrass yourself at the towers telling everybody, don't come in tomorrow, don't come in tomorrow. You might have one of those boards on your chest saying, repent, kingdom heaven. You might even do things like that. Why? Because you're going to do everything it takes to get them to pay attention to not show up tomorrow lest they die. Well, I don't know anyone here on earth is going to die. But we do know this. One day they will. And one day they'll face the, God, the Lord. They'll face their judge, their maker. Like Amos says, prepare you to, to, to meet your, the, thy maker. Prepare to meet thy creator. Prepare to meet thy God. One day they will. And if they're not saved, we know what that's like. Right? And who did Christ entrust us to go compel them to get in? What if the servant said, I can't be inviting people to come in? Boring. It's awkward. I don't want to go to weird-looking people, tell them to come into the royal wedding. I don't want to go out there. I'm tired. I wouldn't try to get these guys to come in. They said, no, i got to go out again? We can make the same lame excuses other people make, right? But the, the servants didn't do that. The servants went out. Went out, went out, and compelled, compelled, compelled. Now, I believe wholeheartedly that the mission of the church is to equip the saints, perfecting the saints, edifying the believer. I believe that, to, to train us up to do what? Go carry out the Great Commission. If we're not on mission, church, then we're missing out on the mission. And part of that mission is go, hey, listen, there ain't enough people at the king's table. I don't, I don't care about the attendance at church. I mean, I do care about that, but that's not what I'm talking about, filling the place. Because you know what? A lot of big church, everyone there is going to end up in hell anyway because nobody's preaching the gospel. I'm not talking about filling the pews. I'm talking about, hey, listen, Christ saves. Christ, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And, and, it, and it has more room. And they're not hearing it anymore. They're not just coming upon something anymore. And the internet's got all kinds of crazy stuff, man. If you find truth on the internet, man, you, you, I mean, you got lucky. For every piece of truth, there's probably 2,000 pieces of whatevers, especially when it comes to spiritual things, right? So we carry out the Great Commission by telling, telling. Let me give you one more application. We're done. And this kind of ties into compelling to come in. But number five, Those who die without Christ get no other chance. 
That's a heavy notion. Those that rejected the king's offer couldn't later bang on the door during the feast, seeing the broken and the smelly and the messy in there, and say, hey, listen, you know, one of my biggest like, visual aids for myself is like Noah's Ark. And for seven days, that, that is open for them to get on in, and nobody gets on in except for Noah and his, children, his sons and their wives, right, and his wife. And then God shuts the door. Now, it doesn't say this, but I would imagine that as the rain began to descend and the fountains of the deep broke open, that there's people pounding on the door. Let me in! It's too late. How many people, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I'm not trying, I'm, I'm trying to be as biblical as I can be, but I'm trying to put this as urgent and as colorful as you can to understand it. How many people, five minutes into hell, are banging on the door to get on out? I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get saved, I'll go to church, I'll call on Christ, I'll do whatever you want me to do. What do I do? Sorry, friend. Sorry, friend. Now, I, I am painting this picture. It's all here in the Bible, right? I'm not, I'm not sensationalizing. I'm just putting us in uncomfortable spots so we get urgency and burden for the lost. That's it. This life alone is your chance. This life alone is their only chance. There's no bartering with God. There's no negotiating with God. You've probably heard preachers say this before. Nobody's taking out their checkbook when they meet God to pay all in the way to heaven. Or to present, remember this? Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name done many wonderful works, in thy name cast out devils? Then will I profess unto them I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. All a lot of people said, no, 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 I got a pile of good works. That'll let me in, right? Sorry. How about this money? Sorry. Sorry. The maimed who know they're lost and get saved get to heaven while the, don't take offense to this, while the Mother Teresas of the world who don't get saved, don't. But this life is their only, and I'm not saying Mother Teresa saved or not, I have no idea. That's another conversation. My point is, why gamble, why scoff, why reject, just cry out to Christ. And if you're already saved, don't keep it in your pocket. Right, many of you are going to give out candy today in some fashion, right? Because well, the tradition says to. And kids love to have it. Christ is better to give out than candy. But people may not love to have it. They love to have it when they get it. But they often don't love to have it when they don't want it. That don't matter. Let me leave you with this, Christian. Success is not by how many get saved because if you measure success by how many people get saved, that is a man gospel. That's CEO manufactured business results. Salvation is supernatural. It is not in our hands. 
What's success for us? Faithfulness in giving out the gospel. That's it. So two things, we're done. Number one, I don't know if you're saved, but you're invited. You can get saved today. Number two, if you are already saved, I hope God burns in your heart an urgency to want to share the gospel with anyone you can. That doesn't mean you, you grab someone and put them in a chokehold and say, you're going to get saved. No, no, you know what I mean. You don't got to be absolutely bizarre about it. But it just means you're looking for opportunities. Just give them a gospel track. Share what's on your heart. When they start talking about, man, I'm really sad, I'm really depressed, I'm really anxious, tell them about Christ. Jesus saves. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Father, I pray now in this opportunity to hear and respond. I pray that people would be listening. That people would be searching their own heart, Lord. That the Spirit of God would point them in one direction or the other. Lord, if they're saved, I pray you give them assurance of salvation, Lord. And they would they'd be excited about that and walk in your love and walk in your relationship with you. And they would share that gospel. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's not saved, I pray, Lord, you perk their heart. They come unto you. With everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Let me ask this first question. If you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, if I were to die today, I do not know for sure I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out, make you do anything you don't want to do. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that here today? I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Please pray for me. Is there anyone like that? Raise your hand. I'll, I'll pray for you. God bless you. Anyone else? How many people here would say this then? Pastor Jason, I know I'm saved, and God stirred my heart about sharing my faith. Would you pray that God would give me the strength and the wherewithal to effectively share my faith? If that's your prayer request today, would you raise your hand? Many, many hands. Many, many hands. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano's going to play. If you... If you feel in your heart that you want to come and pray about someone, pray about boldness, pray about sharing the gospel, I invite you to step out of your seat and come. Just kneel up at the front, kneel up here, whatever you want to do, kneel right on the ground. But take this opportunity to respond, take this opportunity to talk to God, take this opportunity to, to pray. Can I encourage your heart too? If you should have shared the gospel with someone, but you didn't, friend, you can't get it back. It's okay. It's okay. It didn't all depend on you anyway. But there's other people to share. Same thing with sin. Sometimes we look back at our sins and we say, man, what in the world was I thinking? Friend, you can't get it back. Can't take it back. What's done is done. It can't be undone, unfortunately. But there is grace to cover. Where, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. I don't care what your list your sin is. Grace is more. I, I appreciate that truth. I'll tell you that much right now. 
There's people praying. You wouldn't be the only one. You say, I've never went forward before. So what? You just come and talk to God. You're not signing up for anything. You're not talking to me. Just praying. You say, what do I do now? I don't know. Maybe grab some gospel tracts and hand them out. Maybe that coworker that you talk about Monday morning football with, you look for the opportunity to, hey, hey, listen, I may never have told you this before, but, I, but I, can I tell you this for just a second about Jesus? Can I tell you how I got born again? Let God stir your heart. He doesn't want us to be static and stagnant. He wants us to be growing. Sometimes there's growing pains. I know that life, I'll tell you that much. There's still people praying. You pray in your seat if you want. Maybe God's laying upon someone on your heart right now that you need to share the gospel with. And you say, well, what else do I do? Maybe just tell them how you got saved, maybe. That'll work. Maybe, share, maybe if, if, you, if you know well enough, you share some scripture verses. All the sin and come short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commended his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For with the mouth confession is made, and with the heart man believes on the righteousness. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you just want to share John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. These things that are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. There's still people praying and we're not in a rush. We'll, we'll keep on praying. song that is being played right now is I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Let me be selfish for just a second. I am so glad that I got saved and someone told me. And you say, that's not selfish. Well, I don't Sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it's just, thank God, God forgave me my sins. I'll tell you, I want that same for others too. Don't you? Let's pray and then we'll sing. Father, thank you, Lord, that we can spend time like this, be stirred in our hearts. Again, Lord, you know, you know my heartbeat, Lord. I'm, I'm just surprised I'm here again. There's been so many times I've failed to share the gospel. There's so many times I've failed to live by the gospel. Here we are again, Lord, your grace. May we compel them to come in, and Father, may we share with a, with a love, with a joy, with an urgency. 
And Lord, for anyone here who's not saved, Lord, I pray they get saved. And Father, for anyone who's hurting for past loved ones, I pray you give them a special measure of grace, a special measure of comfort. Ease their pain. Lord, I pray you bless all that we got today. Bless the refreshments in just a minute. Bless the kids who may be out and about, whatever they may be doing. Give them safety. Thank you for saving us. And thank you for allowing us to share the gospel. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, why don't you come?